Greetings, fantasy fans and adventure aficionados. Welcome back to EXPN The Experience, your only source for up to the nanosecond coverage of the League of Ultimate Questing. No dungeon too deep, no quest too questionable. I'm your host and Dewey Dugong, Dirk Bradley, and with me as always is the Durgar who kicks the ass in class, Warren Rusborough. Uh, Dirk. Yeah, and uh, these guys are here too. I guess I'm the machine that needs no introduction. They know who I am. The Fallow Crown has gone dark after hugging Hal's and my mom into fiery submission. They really tumbled that took us, didn't they, Rusty? You know, Dirk, we don't need to launch right back into commentary. There's not even that much to commentate on. The Fallow Crown has been the only name in League News, and Paige and Sarge have handled that beautifully. It's an honor to be honored by your praises. I know what I'm about. You've always got something on your mind. Spill those twice-baked brain beans all over the white dress of my ignorance. I'll be honest, Dirk. Other than what I skimmed while you were doomscrying, I haven't watched it. You'd probably get a better response from the boys here. The boys? Pfft, we're the boys? If I need prote notes or a math blaster, I'll consult these perfect Percys. If I'm gonna spit grit about the latest scuttlebutt, it's gonna be my main man, Rustburger. No offense. None taken. I charge for prote notes. More eggs, less pork. That's a freebie. Sorry, Dirk. I've just got a lot on my mind. Well, heap those troubles on my heart plate. I'll dig right in. Well, after what happened with Armistice... Pirates and nothing else. And the showdown with Hamaliel, I'm contemplating the weight of parenthood and the responsibility we have to the young. Wow. That's boring as hell. Between these one-sentence wonders and your Debbie Downerisms, we might as well watch Hardbody flex for an hour. Don't gotta ask me twice. Can you gentlemen handle the rest of the episode? I have some unfinished business. You're kidding me, right? We just got back. What's so important that it could tear you away from Dirk and Rust, a reunion in three parts? There's a child that needs spanking. What? Gaspar stands above a kneeling Halophon Orison Jr., soul wound blade in his hand. Are you truly prepared for what comes next? I am. I'm going to put my hand on Nellie's shoulder and hold her close. I don't know if you know this. The body that you're in, he was my best friend here. His name was Hohona. Mum made me kill him and absorb his soul. Probably not unlike the ritual you were telling me about. It's, uh, it'd be fitting for you to do it with his hand. Hahona was a tall man. His copper hair was shaved on the sides into a broad, wavy orcock. His skin was heavily tanned from years in the sun, and his eyes were pure cobalt. Across his body, black tribal tattoos in hard crossing lines and small circles, some of which have filled in. Nellie's eyes are wet, but she doesn't look away clinging to her father's arm. Wusha stares forward, leaning in a little bit, like he's eager for what happens next. Penitence is earned, not some verse in a poem. And with a quick slash, I cut Hal's destiny short. (gasps) Gaspar! I carve out a significant portion of Hal's skin on his shoulder. I peel away some of the destiny that was bestowed to him. 
forced upon him. I will pick up that slab of flesh and throw it towards Wuxia. Wuxia was stunned, nearly paralyzed, watching this happen, waiting for his need to transpire here. Seeing as that it didn't, and the piece of meat falls at his feet, Wuxia is going to take one of his non-magic spears and snap it over his knee. <clears throat> He'll lean down and pick up the piece of flesh. Tiny flags better than no flag at all. And stomp away. I was just going to step forward, moving away from Penny for a moment. I place one hand on Gaspar's shoulder and the other on Halifon's. I can't heal this. And maybe it shouldn't be. Help you to your feet. Hal looks at Gaspar and the knife. Almost a pity. You probably could have used this body. You know a thing or two about sin. And it has some making up to do. I have a lot of options for bodies. I don't have a lot of friends left. Your future is no longer determined or guided. Do with it what you will. I dare say casting aside your medals hasn't made you any friends with your former army. The same ones that nearly destroyed our ship. Speaking of which, we'll have to deal with that very soon. I wasn't here to make friends, Alvos. I was here to try and keep the war from spilling over and destroying what friends I had. At least that's what I told myself I was doing. As I look across the battlefield of Atheltoa. In the distance you can see pinpricks of fire where other great trees have begun burning. The air is thick with a smoke unlike that of war. Well, it seems that the same hand that guided you to protect these trees was the same one you had to remove to bring them down. And now it's done. Your job is over. What awaits for Halifon Orison Jr.? I don't know, Iavos. I really don't. And for once, nobody knows what awaits Halifon Orison Jr. Nellie tears a strip from her dress, walks forward and ties it around the shoulder of Hal. You know, Papa used to tell me bedtime stories about the fallow crown before I learned that they were real. For what it's worth... I think you have a lot of story left. Hal looks down at the tattoos he has left, distorted by the scars he's received here. Yeah, probably. While they're having that conversation, I'm going to lean over to Ayavos and whisper, I don't really know if cutting out his tattoos with this soul knife will do anything, but hopefully he believes it. Sometimes a gesture made manifest can inspire new thought. I'm glad you didn't cut any deeper. That arm can still do good. Forgiveness is another powerful form of magic. But I don't know if we're there yet. I wish you no further harm at this point. There was a time when I killed every one of you with my own hands. True, it was a dream. But I don't know if I knew that at the time. There are only so many things that I can hold against you. The choices you make now are the ones that matter to me. Speaking of killing our friends, I should probably go have a chat with Wuxia. You would be the one. His long strides have carried him some far distance, but there is still a long way to go before you're back at camp. I recommend you catch up quickly. I wouldn't want him to fall into one of the trenches. The deathless are not very forgiving. Wuxia's long steps are not only carrying him back toward the camp, but moving through the corpses, 
trying to pick through them and find any suitable weapons that he could use later on. Nothing elaborate or magic. He's broken one of his two spears and he needs at least one more replacement. Despite the rot and decay, the weapons are in fine form. Nearly any and all kinds to be found. Most of them, however, are in the trenches. Approaching a trench, Usha will squat down, look interested at it, and start leaning down like he's about to jump into it. As you do, you see dozens of small, weak black hands reach out towards you, and a whisper echoes through them. Odessage. 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 Usha will furrow his brow and stop himself from jumping in. Uh, bring me spears. <laughs> I like that better. Why I thought you were going to be was like, huh, fuck off. <laughs> Give me a, an intimidation check. You got it. I like how it sounds like he's a general asking like, yeah, bring me, bring me the spearman. Bring me. <laughs> I have a plus zero to intimidation. So I get a four. They don't seem to respond, but instead slowly try to move closer and closer towards you. It's impossible to determine where one body ends and another body begins. The decay is so much worse than it was on the way here. And as they move, you can literally see crumbles start to form in the hands and they slowly dissipate into the air. And what's left behind as these bodies collapse are small glints of gold. Taking a step back and standing as straight and upright as Wuxia can. We've never been a greedy man. Now seems like a bad time to start. That's for the best. Those are the souls of the dead, ripped clean from their vessels. Wuxia turns around, a new adornment keeping his kelp hair out of his face, a strip of tattooed and familiar skin tying back the dangling seagrass. So, uh... Suppose I should give him new orders, then. Wusha, I've been meaning to talk to you about something. No, Nelly, usually I'm happy to listen. Sit there and be attentive. But right now I can't describe myself as excited to hear what comes next. Go on, though. You don't remember what happened after Hal knocked you unconscious. Quite the opposite. I remember too much of what happened. Then, surely you remember that Hal left. He made the choice not to fight his friends, despite being commanded to. What I remember is someone sinking me into an infinite, unfeeling abyss. Someone plunging me into darkness. And I still know what it felt like having it done. If anyone... Did that, Wusha. It was me. How left? I hit you when you were down. Just to see the look on Papa's face. I killed you, Wusha. And whatever Hal did, I know he didn't enjoy it. I can't say the same for myself. Wusha usually doesn't take a lot of time to think about his responses. He gets quiet and slow. Kneeling down sinking his knees deep into the mud of the battlefields of Aethletoa. Mutiny is a difficult thing to wither. A hard storm to find your direction in. I appreciate your honesty, Penelope. I'll need my hat back. With a tear forming in her eye, she lifts the pentacorn 
from her head and offers it to you. It's okay if you hate me, Busha. I I deserve it, but don't hate Hal any more. Don't hate me any less. You see him. We both broke, but I had someone to put me back together. I'll take your words into invoicement, Penelope. Best you stay below deck on the ship. Wusha's going to unceremoniously crumple the hat up and shove it into his bag and just start walking toward where the camp and the ship are. As the wicked readout comes into view, you see not the engine of war, but a flag of peace. Scattered across the battlefield are glittering golden flecks of the deathless. What few living soldiers remain are making their way through the rotting corpses, collecting these fragments and bringing them to the highest-ranking officer available. Tongaroa stands, towering near eight feet. His powerful, muscled frame is a pale teal. What little he wears is fishing net, and he holds aloft a trident, ordering the final regiment of Ethel-Toa. Hal approaches his former friend. General, I surrender myself to your judgment. My mother is dead, my army broken. That might be for the best. All around you see the villains going to work to repair the damage that was done. And for perhaps the first time in your relatively short life, you realize that these men and women and creatures in between and outside were never anything other than soldiers. Tangaroa thrusts his trident into the ground and looks at you. You're going to be here. Where else should I be? Anywhere. Whoever brought ruin to this place lives in you. I can feel it. I can't afford to be tainted. I'll carry it with me then. Wherever I go, it'll spread. Is that what you're saying? I don't know. Wish I could tell you. But you should know I'm not angry. I understand why you did what you did. But you lost the mission, boy. I'm glad you're not angry, Tonga. At least that makes one of us. We need time to heal. By the time you're dead, we'll have a home for you. I don't know that I've ever had one of those before. You had three, and you threw them all away. How winces. <sighs> if there's anything then, if you have to say, now's the time. Uh, yes, Mr. General. Um, Tonga's fine. We left our ship behind at the encampment that brought us here. Uh, it had suffered some damages. We would like to get it back so we can get out of your hair, so to speak. Hey, sorry about that. We've done our best. That's at least functional. And he gestures towards the Wicked Readout, where you see the ship on blocks. They have taken what remains were viable of the Wicked Readout and begun riveting them onto the ship to at least cover the holes. Any shipwrights better than no shipwright? I this. Do I know you? No. You're not familiar looking? Like your whole net and trident thing. A sudden look of realization dawns on his face. Oh, I, I remember now. Wusha looks at Iavos and Gaspar. Uh, have we met this man before? Uh, I've just heard of him, but 
there's a good chance that he has some affiliation with the body that you took. Perhaps. Oh, uh, sorry, General Tongaroa. Uh, Wusha points at his own body, sort of probing at it. This is new. No, it's not. He puts his hand on your arm and says, I did all I could. I'm sorry. Pats you on the back. Uh, you uh, appreciate the gesture? What else? We would be happy to do what little tending we can to our ship before leaving quickly. Best thing you can do is leave. On this, I believe we agree. We're going to be a bit overweight for lunch, but I think I can manage it. I believe you can. Captain Brinechild. Brinefather. Captain Brinefather. What? It would appear I need a ride off of Ethel Toa. Too bad we're not a fucking taxi. <laughs> Permission to come aboard. Wusha again looks at Iavos and Gaspar, almost baffled that Hal would ask something like that of him. He did ask nicely, and you would get to boss him around. (laughs) (laughs) You raise a fine damn point, Gaspar, counterpoint? I mean, you can make a mess out of the deck and force him to clean it up. Always wanted the poop deck to live up to its name. Fine, Mr. Orofin. Permission to bloody board. (laughs) Mr. Orifin. In stride, Wusha is going to look over his shoulder and say, Iavos, make sure to keep your responsibilities in the hold. Have the Darmites responded to my message? Yes, O Sovereign Unearthed. They have agreed to meet for negotiations in three days' time, in the neutral plane of Iota G-19. Good. Tell them it's a matter of honor, of pride. I trust you won't mention to them our plans for land acquisition. They'll either be a temporary problem with a large immediate reward, or a temporary setback with the potential for vast future resources. Go. Now. At once, my sovereign. That will never work. Show yourself. What's the matter, boy? Don't recognize my voice. Rustborough, have you come to give me another lesson? Lecture me on the fragile balance that holds society together? Or have you simply come to appreciate my new zenithal palace? It seems we're neighbors now. I'll admit it's impressive. Though that smell of copper in the air grows tiresome. Tell me, how many realms had to crumble so you could afford this titanic insult? Some stones are born to crumble. Blood and water can rebuild them stronger than ever before. Heavy weighs the helm of the architect. Your plan to buy land from the Darmites will fail. No amount of wealth will win that prize. I see you've been listening. Longer than you know. Well, what makes you so sure my plan will fail? The Darmites are religious zealots. Their faith is tied to every aspect of their government. If you aren't a follower of the Mercurial Ballad, born and raised of the Indigo Fields, they'll kill you just for the insult of asking. I see you're still as well-read as ever on the customs of even the most primitive border world. 
But rest assured, I know the temperaments of the Darmites. Calling them in on matters of honor and demanding to buy their sacred homeland will no doubt instigate their violence. And once they've drawn first blood, I'll have every right to seek vengeance. Lead new armies to a new war to wipe out the would-be assassins. All by the book. You remember the book, right, Warren? Hmm. So you were paying attention all those years after all. I suppose you couldn't have gotten to where you are today, and ruined as many lives as you have, if you didn't know what you were doing. I, after all, had the best teacher available. Sad to see such a brilliant scholar pinched into a cheap suit, and paraded in front of the drooling masses, selling blood sport and propaganda like some children's mascot. You're quite confident for a lord with no guard. Oh, my troops are already on their way. They're never far from me. I wouldn't bank on that. What? What do you mean? D so? So now you're just going to keep your word and kill me? Like some mundane assassin? After everything father did for you? Everything he made you? Do you have any ideas the wars you'll start? The horrific fate you and those closest to you will suffer? I am Petrophon Faltir II, the Sovereign Unearthed, God among my people, Lord of the Shadows in the Darkest Earth, and Keeper of the Words of Stone. This... this is an execution. Rebellion. Actually, it's far more simple than that. You are indeed all those things. And the brightest lad I ever had the pleasure of teaching. But you ignored the most important part of my lessons. Along the way, you made more enemies than I can count. Biological warfare, genocide, torture, slavery. You've checked every tyrannical box written. And those few who remain in the wake of your destruction understandably bear a grudge. It was as simple as getting a few of them together in a room to submit an official quest to the Adventuring Academy. Sure, they couldn't afford much, but being a lifetime member who hasn't stretched his legs in a while, it wasn't about the money. Just a classic extermination quest. All by the book. Right? The book. Now it's time for one last lesson. One I failed to properly teach you all those years ago. Today, we will be learning about consequences. We're about to witness a planar phenomenon, a keyhole between worlds that only marketing can penetrate. Join me as we glimpse into the adverse. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? 
Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. These days, dwarven children are too soft. All they want to do is play their games and chat on their scry phones. Mithrillennials, am I right? Well, now there's a game system that'll teach them how to be tough. This heavy iron block has built-in automations designed to wildly swing around razor-sharp axes in wide circles while your kids dive and dodge. Activate runes on the base. Your children will learn to take a hit, dodge, parry, and the importance of a strong axe swing. With adjustable heights between two and four and a half feet, built-in first aid kit, and a sharpening stone to keep those swinging blades in tip-top shape. The new Axebox 360, from the makers of the PlayStation 3. Hey, all you cuties. It's almost that big American holiday. If you're in the U.S., have fun celebrating safely. And if you're not in the U.S., well, you can just celebrate that instead. I'll keep it short and sweet this week. Check out theluq.com for every single episode of the LUQ ever. While you're there, check out the cast bios, the social media links, the merch store, and of course, the Patreon. Patreon makes this show possible, and we have a ton of great rewards in store for you, so check it out today. Our current legendary mid-roll teams are the Titans Rise, the Twilight Concord, the Forgotten Legacy, and this week's featured team, the Ceaseless Horde with Dave Mladenoff, Daniel Pickens-Jones, Patch Perryman, and Jeff Ammons. To get a personal message read on the show or for possible advertising opportunities, reach out to admin at slapdashstudios.com. Or if you're dying to get us anything in the mail, the address is 2511 Southeast Pine Street, Portland, Oregon, 97214. We'd love to show it on social media, as long as it's not homemade food. Follow our YouTube channel to see all the live streams Monday night with new episodes of the LUQ hosted by Dana and me and Zach's ongoing Pokemon Nuzlocks midweek. And join the Discord. Ask us questions, show us all your cool nerdy stuff, talk about art, culture, memes, pets. It's all welcome, and we like that, and it's a great community. That's enough out of me, let's get you back to the Battle Axis. Are you, like so many, a member of the Robed Order? A clergyman? A transmuter? Do you spend all day at a desk poring over old texts, solving the mysteries of the universe, and transcribing the truths of history? These trades are essential for the betterment of the world, but they're hell on your physique. Many of these researchers can suffer from sage's gut, scribe's thighs, priest chin, or maester's cake, heavy, saggy, pale and pocked. No unguent or powder will do the trick. That's why there's Slimwa, an ancient tome of fat-burning secrets passed down by the saggiest and dumpiest of authors, with rituals and runes to help you shed the pounds, keep your shit hella tight, and undo the damage years of desk sitting can do to your magical dumper. The future of your waistline doesn't have to be grim. Now it can be slim with Slimwa. Weight loss through reading.
The fallow crown arrived in Aethaltoa by way of a commissioner's ring gate, a rare and expensive gate which doubles as a one-way von Shrike tunneler. As such, the party was stranded in Aethaltoa the moment they entered it. Tangaroa was gracious enough to open an astral slip into the material plane of this cluster. Vistralta has been a hub world of the League of Ultimate Questing since it first reached out to the cosmos. As such, it is replete with ring gates. On the deck of the ship, Iavos is using some of his new magic to attempt to fabricate pieces of ship that are missing as Wusha and Gaspar are nailing and screwing them in place as quickly as they can. The skills involved in defeating Halifon Orison Jr.'s mother were considerable, and all of you are stronger for it. Gaspar! Yes, Captain? Everything secured for a long voyage? No, I can't secure everything. Well, at least start! We don't have enough nails, we don't have enough rope, we don't have enough. Yavos! Yes? I see you making wood. Maybe you could make rope? (laughs) Yards and yards of rope! You can't keep pushing rope, Captain. (laughs) Let me finish erecting this wood and then I'll blow rope for you. (laughs) What is going on upstairs? Stay in your room. (laughs) Hal looks out the window. Tonga, you son of a bitch. You sent us here on purpose. Where are we? Home. You see the mountain over there? Mm-hmm. It's Mount Vistralte. My Aunt Ulfhilda and my Uncle Njol have an orchard there. A meadery, in fact. He's done this on purpose. I didn't know you had family that were farmers. And you never told Papa. He never asked. Uh, Penelope, dear, have you seen Opus? Wushaw's really testing my arcane capabilities today. Oh, he's... Over on the navigation table, licking the map. Yep, don't eat that. <laughs> Little scoundrel. Hey, Papa, did you know that Halifon grew up on a farm? Is that some sort of analogy for war? No. My aunt and uncle have an orchard here. We didn't raise crops, exactly, but if you need supplies, I'm sure they'd be willing to provide them. I, I thought... We just left your home. My childhood was complicated, Iavos. I think you know I was raised by my aunt and uncle. Mum didn't raise me. Well, from the dead once, but that's a different story. (laughs) And one I've told before. Yes, you did mention that. I guess I just never assumed it was in the material world. I figured it was some other pocket heaven or something. No, with no living... Material parents. Dead sister raised me. Here. When you say here, I hold out the map and say, show me. I point to the mountain and at the base of it. There's an orchard there. I'm sure you'll notice the trees. They're mostly local, but while dad was alive, he sent my aunt seeds. They grow trees from other plains, make cider out of them sometimes. It's, uh, it's a nice place. It sounds beautiful. Nicer than I deserve. I'll bring this to Wusha and we'll change course. If you think they're all right with helping us. I'm certain they'd be thrilled to see you. I'm less certain how they'll feel about me right now. 
uh, Captain Wusha. Oi, shipwright bosun surgeon Isadora. <laughs> I've recently learned that there is a place that we can land and have some people help us with repairs and supplies. Show you the map and point it out. Tell me of it. Apparently it's an orchard, a farm, at the base of this mountain uh, where Halifon grew up. So you're telling me we're stopping for him again? Uh, this time we get to meet his good family, not the ones we have to kill. Ah, the coin will stab you in the front, not the back? Uh, no, I think they just take care of apples and bees and stuff. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, apes. <laughs> Excuse me? People would keep bees, Captain Apiaries, so their keepers must be apes. I thought you were abbreviating Apple, but that doesn't make any more sense. <laughs> you know what's sad is I understood immediately when he said apes. <laughs> I knew it was a misappropriation of apiary. I'll put my hand on Wusha's shoulder. They definitely have alcohol. Hmm. A mixture of hell and trees is what got us into this mess in the first place. <laughs> but you've convinced me, Mr. Isadora. You may not want this, and gesturing to the ship, but the ship deserves it. And leaning in close, and it's really going to piss Hal off. Mr. Elephnaut, double speed! <laughs> I can't double, double. <laughs> not with that attitude. <laughs> if we dropped half of the ship, yes. <laughs> Whatever speed you can manage that's more than this, Mr. Elephnaut, get on it! Yes, Captain. I'll just start blowing out the back of the ship. <laughs> I always blow out the back of a ship. I was going to say, pushing rope, blowing out the back. This has been this has been a sexy boat adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Every boat adventure is sexy. <laughs> you put the naughty in nautical. The orchard of Njal and Ulfilda is rich and vast. The squat trees of the metery are old and sturdy. Yet one section appears to have been burned to the ground. You land a decent distance away from the trees and away from the home and begin your trek towards Halifon's family. The dogs are the first to greet you. Doggies! Iafos gets on his knees and fucking loves this. To you, Halifon, they are all new faces, except one bringing up the rear. This old motley shepherd looks up at you with its gray muzzle, and you recognize him as Fjalder. The only one that seems to come to you is the one you recognize. I give him a good scritch on the head. My boy. He's mostly blind in both eyes, and it seems as though his hips aren't quite the way they should be. Al cups the dog's head in his hands. I've been gone too long. I'm so sorry, boy. His hands glow as he uses lay on hands to cure disease and restore the dog's sight. As soon as the eyes clear, they brighten. It wags its tail more aggressively, no doubt causing much pain with the hip dysplasia, but he doesn't seem to care. He lets out a whimpering bark and just kind of runs between your legs like a puppy. Good boy. You are always a good boy. Any family that keeps dogs is all right with me. <laughs> yes, you're a good one. He's just rubbing one's tummy as it rolls over. The area that you parked is not far from the burned field. And there you see two figures working. Family first. Wusha is going to raise his hand up and say, Oh, they're farmers! I hear you got drink. You see the larger of the two kind of shield his eyes and then uh, elbow the person next to them and they begin to approach. Nyal is a short, stocky man, approaching his twilight years, yet still fit and strong enough to work the orchard. He levels his eyes of gold at the crown. His son, Vilder, 
is the spitting image of Nyal, though his eyes are the blue of his mother and the cool platinum of his long-dead uncle. As Nyal gets close enough to recognize Halifon, a smile, somewhat somber, cracks his face. Uncle Nyal, it's good to see you. My friends need resupply, and we were in the area as it happens. We love your dogs. <laughs> we do too. Thank you. Your home is beautiful, although it looks like you've suffered a fire recently. Yes, we don't know exactly why it happened, but it is better than the alternative. What happened? I'm sorry, Helophon Jr. All of my brother-in-law's trees, they began to suffer a blight about a year back. Popped up all over the region. Couldn't figure it. Nothing we could do to save them. Then yesterday, they just burst into golden flame. I'll miss the Adavian snapfruit, but I'll miss the reminder of my brother more. All of them. Everyone. All of them. Only his. We may have some insight into that, though the explanation is still puzzling to me. I'd not know it. We're simple folk and we don't have any truck with your greater works. But you need resupply. Oi, should you have any spare lumber, we'd like to take that too. Hmm, fruit would okay. I'm sure it'd be fine, especially if it were growing fruit. <laughs> uh, and directions to the nearest local ring gate would be quite helpful. League business. I understand. Uh, let's say yes. Well, I'm sorry we haven't been watching. We don't have any, um, taverns nearby with scry crystals. Your aunt used to make a regular trip to the town, but... But what? <sighs> I'm sorry. She died. How? When? What? What do you mean she died? Excuse me. We buried her last week. <sighs> Neath our favorite speckled umber. She always did love the sour ones. That explains me. I am so deeply sorry for your loss. Me too. Our children are up at their grandparents. I've been tending to the fire with Vilder. I'm sorry. <sighs> If you have something round here worth tending to, far as your lost family goes, I'd be happy to lend my arm dealing with what's left of the fire. We are no strangers to farm work. That's kind of you. Um, I think we've got our labors under control. But we are more than happy to give you whatever supplies you need. Any friend of Halifon's a friend of ours. Hushal looks nervous. Even if it's not our own physical help, is there anything we can do for your family in exchange for this? There must be something. That's not our way. But it is ours. The jobs that we do, we are paid for. And so should you. I'll fish around in my bag, and of the two quintessence that I received from Warren Rusborough, I'll take one out and place it in his palm. I assume you know what this is. A little? Uh, you know it's magic money? It's worth a lot. As someone raised in a place like this, it is life-changing. And I believe you deserve it very much. He scratches his head. Not like to spend it, but thank you. Save it 
Do what you will. But if you bring this to a place that deals with league business, I'm sure they'd be happy to exchange it for hard coin. And quite a bit of it. Thank you. Builder, um, get them everything they need. I'm going to talk to Halifan. Me and my daughter are going to go play with your dogs. <laughs> Forgive me for saying so, but I don't believe you would have come here just for resupply. No. Not that I'm not happy to see you, but things have been bad. They've been bad, Uncle Neil. You don't look well. I'm not. I haven't been for some time. Mum's dead. We killed her yesterday. He tongues his cheek, nods. Thank the gods for that. I thank them indeed. I haven't been traveling with the fellow crown for quite a while now. I spent four years with Mum on Ethel Toa, leading her armies in her crusade. They came to tell me something they found out about dead. I'd hoped to tell Auntie Ulfilda. Mum killed him, Uncle Nyon. She killed him herself. That's why nobody knew what happened. Sorry to say, but I think I suspected. She wouldn't hear anything of it, but... In my heart, I think I did too. But it doesn't change who she was, or what she did. I don't know what to do now, Gonyol. I'm not with the team anymore. I'm being escorted back, away from Ethel Toa. I think I'm headed to Zenith. I broke my oath. I'm not truly a paladin anymore. I have amends to make. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I deserve to but it doesn't feel right to not do anything. And it wouldn't feel right to just stay here. A peaceful rest on a farm is more than I deserve, I think. Your aunt was not old enough to really know her brother that well. She was about five when he left for the league. She never wanted you to be anything but happy. But you never fit in. You seem so uncomfortable here. As if something was always calling you away. Some nights you wouldn't come home. But we knew you were fine. You were a better fighter at ten than any man in the village. I don't know if you remember, but one day while you were wandering in the woods, you found a troll looming over Glimdir, my youngest daughter. You immediately leapt him to save her. And you cut the calf of the troll and put yourself between him and the girl. What you didn't know at the time was that was Nimrog, the troll who keeps the forest. He was giving Glimdir his blessing. Glimdir was so fascinated with you after that. We thought she might try to court you when she came of age. But you only had eyes for Nimrok. You wanted that troll's hide. And nothing we said could convince you. You were always a hero, son. You just didn't always know who the villain was. He's been flexing for three hours, and I just can't look away. Right? It's like a jigsaw made of shiny hot dogs. I keep finding new muscles I didn't know exist. Mm. All right, hit me with it again, Sarge. I'm clearly not getting it. So you're telling me candy isn't a good pre-workout. I mean, some of the girls at the church are on a carnivore diet. 
So they'll carbo-load on some hard candy to max their push. But there's a difference between storing glycogen to get the most out of your sesh and eating a bucket of gummy worms before three hours on the treadmill. If it gets results, it gets mm. results. It does not. The last time, our altar boys had to spend two days clinging sugary vomit out of the mechanism. Besides, I'm not letting you back in there. Man says he can lift anything. Can't even lift my ban. What was that, little man? Nothing. Oh, look, Rusty's back. Hey, gang. What's new? Is... is he flexing his ears? Never skip ear day. My stapedius is as big as Dirk's bicep. Where were you? Solving a problem. Well, I hope everyone's ready for the dynamic duo to get back into the action. Quartet? Actually, I think it's going to have to be a trio. Putting aside the fact that I may well be arrested if there's any mistakes in my paperwork, I'll be leaving Zenith, one way or another. Uncle Wisdom. Ain't that right? That is a solid line. <laughs> Old farmers are always trustworthy. <laughs> Zach made me cry. <laughs> I know. Zach made Zach cry. That's true. <laughs> I saw that. that was there were some misty eyes in here. Shit. Sometimes you gotta oh, dig deep to get that emotion. Hell yeah. Drama. I love it. I fucking love it. This was a drama. Heavy episode. Yeah. This was intense. I think we're looking at about 95% drama. Putting the yeah. drama in dramedy. Hello. <laughs> Let's go around the table. I want to hear some favies. Come on. You know what it's got to be. What's Angela going to steal today? Don't know what it's got to be. What's Angela going to steal today? I'm going to steal today. It's the old dog getting his eyesight back. That was so goddamn Why are you not traveling from plane to plane just curing old dogs <laughs> of their cataracts? Maybe that's what you can do with his life. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's there it. we go. I it's found over. it. I know. It was, a, it was just a make-believe dog. You're literally, I was happy you're literally dog. a veterinarian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he took the oath of Hippocrates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have a specific soft spot for... Iavos standing on the boat and being like, oh, I can fix so many things now. And just like making shit in thin air and being like, does this fit here? I thought yeah. that was, I thought that was fun. Look, a ship is a stew. That's true. <laughs> what is, a a ship, it's just a stew. The main ingredients are wood and tar. <laughs> Don't eat it. <laughs> Some stews are just for looking at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very a good. Oh, Stew in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to pick a favorite moment from this episode. Thank you. Uh, um, there was a lot going on for for Hal and for me as Hal's player, who's recently realized there's a lot more of myself in this character than I thought that there was. <laughs> um, I think getting to see Hal's family that's actually healthy, probably not that healthy. One of them. How am I going to save from the well, dead? The dead <laughs> um, emotionally healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is, uh, as much as Hal doesn't want to be here, I think this is probably something he really needs right now. Yeah. So, Someone to listen to your troubles and give you guidance? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not getting g- 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 guidance from anyone else right now, Iavos. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he has been dropping some wisdom, too. <laughs> you, want, you, know, you just need to talk to someone for a minute you didn't betray, <laughs> just for a second. My favorite moment, and I, I thought this when it happened, is while Hal was talking to his uncle, I looked over and, and Michael's eyes were wet. And I just like, I, I love that. I love when that happens. 
The other thing is just thinking about Halifon's story. Um, I just want to start at my head like, Halifon Orison Jr. was born with his father's eyes and his mother's abs. <laughs> <laughs> just this little baby. Just yeah, fucking, just fucking ripped. <laughs> oh, yes. That's very good. I am, I'm kind of a split between a dichotomy of two that were both like, I just kind of wait and sit and listen for something that's like, ooh. I guess two of my favorites, I think, were one Gaspar dropping the lines like, I know how to get bodies. Friends, I'm low on. That was so good. Gaspar always has good lines. That one's an all-time good one. Yeah. And I, I, I really liked Michael's little, little like very miniature monologue about being like, I don't deserve to retire on a farm. I was like, that's good. I yeah, actually, yeah. And, and because you were affected emotionally, it really impacted how you delivered the line, which is good. That's, that's a gold. Two of them really got me. Literally like the opening line from Gaspar and specifically the idea that he's like, I'm going to cut that fucking fate. I'm like, ah. um, but then I also just really liked the line. He never asked. Nobody ever really asked Hal about his past or his history or anything about him. And so like even the fact that even Yavos, who's always like mm. socially aware and all that stuff, you're like, oh, he's just a private person and just never bothered to ask him about his his family. No, well, the whole thing like with the Halophones, like he was coming in as a as a prospect, as a mm-hmm. like his reputation preceded him. He's coming in built like a hero. Everybody knew all who Hal's dad like that, was. Exactly. Yeah. Like all, all of that was, oh yeah, so why why are we not digging any deeper? Yeah. We know he was trained from a young age. Yeah, he was playing the character be, of the Halo as Talifon. Yeah. That was the facade he brought even into the family of our team. And just like everybody else, we never, you know, dug in. So who betrayed who? <laughs> <laughs> By not asking me who my family was, you deserve to die. <laughs> it's, it's the same. I really absolutely loved this episode. I, you know, going into it, I knew it was going to be predominantly role play and improv. And y'all just fucking knocked it out of the goddamn park. Every moment was a treasure. I'm just really excited to be here. I'm excited to have fantastic editor like Sam Hediger, the fucking editor. I'm excited to have Brie Golden as my partner and fantastic map maker. And I'm excited for y'all to hear the rest of this chapter. And until we get there, we wish you luck. <laughs> <laughs>